Welcome back or to the Grace Church Members Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rivers, and in this episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Mazingo, to discuss why generosity at Grace Church is a discipleship issue. If you're a first-time listener, we're excited you've joined us. The goal of this resource is to address discipleship issues in the life of Grace Church and discuss how to be more fully devoted to God. As a believer, I have the tendency to bring too much of the culture's view of money into my spiritual life. And if I'm honest, I've played spiritual cut and paste with what the Bible says about money, and in doing so, lost the greater narrative. I have to admit, even though I am well-intentioned, I'm not always well-positioned for generosity. And this is one of the many ideas that I received from this conversation with Scott. And I think this is one of those episodes that will help you rethink the word generosity. I am confident you will be challenged and encouraged around this discipleship issue as I was. Be sure to check out our podcast page located in the show notes. And on this page, you can access past episodes, a summary of this episode with Scott, and additional resources to help you move towards discipleship. Okay, let's jump into our episode on why generosity is a discipleship issue. Well, Scott, good to see you today. Hi, Chris. Yeah, glad you're here. So you are the pastor of generosity, and I'm wondering if you could help us understand what that means through the lens of discipleship. If you could also just unpack this issue of generosity in our church, this discipleship issue. So maybe you just share a little bit about those two things. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. And yes, my role, pastor of generosity, uh, basically I'm just a champion for our core value of being courageously generous. Mm -hmm. And that is... That affects everybody in our in our church. So whether someone is making a first-time gift or setting up a recurring gift or whether you have um, large gifts, small gifts, medium gifts, it, it really does not matter. We're not hung up on percentages and dollar amounts. What I'm really driving at is what does the Bible teach us about stewardship, about money, specifically about generosity, because that's an area that we don't like to talk about, and what role does it play in discipleship and spiritual formation? And so my, my role is everything from helping with financial basics, setting up budgets and getting people to think well about personal finance, to estate planning, and, and really everything in between. But really, the, the main thing is examining, does our view of money align with Scripture? And that's why I think it's a discipleship issue because the Bible talks a lot about money. Mm -hmm. And I think we pick and choose which verses that we like to take and apply. And I think that there's a lot more there. When I say it talks a lot, like over 2,000 verses, so a whole lot. And so I want us to take the whole canon of Scripture, if you will, as it relates to money and make sure that we are being obedient to that. Yeah. So you said we don't like to talk about it. So what do you mean we don't like to talk about it? Yeah. I think that that money is like the most private area of our life. And I think some of that is revolved around the American idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go get what you earn and eat what you kill and really work hard. And it's funny because we live our, our financial lives out loud in the sense that people see what we drive and we post a bunch of stuff on social media about 
vacations and kids activities and all of that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being in biblical community, talking about lifestyle, savings, investing, giving, we just kind of draw the line and privatize those things. It's like we're, we're, we're too proud. Mm -hmm. And then we'll, you know, we'll quote certain verses about, uh, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing and do these things in private. So blah, blah, blah. But I really, I really think it's a pride issue. Mm. I, and I think it's because we're upside down when we think about how the Bible talks about money. In some ways, it's really simple. But because of how much weight we put on financial resources and what they mean for our life to, to bring us comfort and security and entertainment and power and pleasure and all of those things, then it gets really complicated really fast. So what I mean by that is money is pretty simple. Like there's only about five things you can do with money. You can earn it, you can spend it, you can save it, you can invest it, and you can give it away. So Say some, that again? Yeah, you can, you can earn it, work, you can spend it, yep. you can save it, invest it, you can give it away. Mm-hmm. It's really about the only things you can do with money. So when you say it like that, you're like, yeah, that is pretty simple. Mm. But how you do it, in what percentage, in what proportion, to what end, to what goal, uh, that's where it gets a little skewed. And we tend to take the Bible and we see it through the lens of provision or personal finance. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll cut and paste different verses mm-hmm. and apply to different financial principles that relate to working and earning and saving and investing and giving. And what we're doing is we're, we're playing a spiritual cut and paste game mm-hmm. where we're taking good financial wisdom and, and applying it to the scriptures. But I, I think we run the risk of divorcing it from the, the greater narrative of how God is using resources in our lives to drive our devotion to him. Yeah. And that's really what's most important. Mm-hmm. How does everything that God gives us, which... That's what stewardship is. Stewardship is taking all of God's creation, all of God's resources, and managing it for God's purposes. Mm-hmm. And we're called to be good stewards on every area of our life, including money. And I think everybody wants to do that. So what I like to say is that we're well-intentioned, but we're not well-positioned. Yeah, what do you mean by that? So, I mean, well-intentioned, but not well-positioned. What I mean by that is that we have too much of the culture's view of money drug into our spiritual life. We're taking too much of our cues from the culture, and I think we're taking verses, uh, if we're not careful, cutting and pasting and, and feeling good about our spiritual approach. So let me compare it to, um, make a couple of comparisons to, sure. to money. That would be helpful. Uh, money and marriage, okay? So when I think about um, marriage... There's a real heightened sense around the importance of marriage and the erosion of marriage and Christian values around marriage, and, and people seem to be well attuned to the, to the threat that there is to marriage, to their spirituality. To and what this. are some of those threats? Well, so let's, let's just say it was like a data point, like we look, like to look at when it relates to marriage, as we say, the divorce rate in the church is almost as high as it is outside the church. Therefore, we're not doing really well in our marriages. Gotcha. Okay. So that's pretty, that's been said for a long time. This is not a podcast about marriage. I'm just using that as an example. Because if I told you that the giving rate among Christians is not very different at all from the giving rate of non-Christians, would you think that we have an epidemic 
of spiritual formation in mm-hmm. our churches. Mm-hmm. We don't really think about that. Like no. there's nobody, there's no alarms going off. There's no sirens. There's no buzzers. There's no, oh, we got to change. We got to do something different. Yeah. And so here would be, it would be another example. Like if I told you that I was having trouble in my marriage and that I was thinking about going outside my marriage in an extramarital affair or that I was addicted to pornography. And I just talked openly and callously about that. And I was just degrading my marriage and my relationship with my wife because I'm pursuing other things, mm-hmm. I'm coveting other things that are going to make me happy. You would be like, stop right there. What are you doing, Scott? I mean, you would tackle me. You would not let me get out of this room. Yeah. You would say, we've got to do something about this. We've got to call a pastor. We've got to call your wife. Will you? This kind of thinking behavior cannot go unchecked. You are doomed for destruction. You would feel that way, right? Yeah, absolutely. But if I started thinking about how maybe I should change jobs, change careers, get a new house, go on a big adventure, go, and, buy, a boat. go buy a boat, go set sail on the lake, do something material to, to fill my life because I saw a friend, I saw a neighbor, they got something new and I don't have it. And so I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I have enough. I, f- I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like I need more. And if I only had any of these number of things and pulled them into my life, I would be happy. So it's not okay to covet my neighbor's wife, but it's okay to covet my neighbor's car, my neighbor's lawn, my neighbor's kids, my neighbor's job. Coveting is coveting. And so when it comes to this world of money, materialism, I don't think we have the same kind of urgency, the same kind of checks and balances. We don't see it as a threat because we tend to view what the Bible says about money through the lens of of personal finance and lifestyle and personal provision. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, God provides. I agree with that. He gives me certain things and I'm supposed to steward them well. And so I want to, um, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to buy a home, stay out of debt. I'm going to you know, save for a rainy day, invest. And if I'm lucky, I can build wealth and then I can be generous. And we tend to put a halo over all that and sanctify that and say, that's a Christian approach. And I would say, I don't need Jesus to make that work. And if there's any part of the way that I think about the scripture teaching on money and finances that doesn't involve Jesus, then what good is it? Yeah. And so what does it look like to have a gospel-centered approach that takes the whole narrative of scripture as it relates to money? And so I'll give you, I'll give you one more example. If I said, hey, Chris, tell me what the Bible says about marriage. And if you said, well, I think it says marriage is good. You should find someone, if you can, of the opposite gender. You should only be married to one person at one time, and you should stay married as long as you can. Like, that would not be very helpful to me. There would be a lot. I mean, it does it say those things? Sure. But there is a lot that you're leaving out. Mm -hmm. There's the richness of God's intention for marriage as it pertains to the gospel, as it pertains to God's plan of redemption, that really is the the heart of marriage that you would just be completely leaving out. I think we do the same thing with money. Mm. I think we completely miss out on the bigger intentions. And so we talk about, yes, God is the giver. So therefore I need to give something back. And then we have a question of how much 
and how much is enough to live off of and how much should I give back and where do I invest this so that the kingdom can have the greatest gain. And I would say that all of that is good. It's not that it's incorrect, but I think it's incomplete. Yeah. And I think that the bigger narrative of scripture related to money causes us to think more deeply. And I, I just don't know that we're doing that. Yeah. So this is why I think it's the greatest discipleship opportunity for us as a church. Yeah. So I want to get to some passages that you think are helpful, but talk to us about spiritual mature disciples versus immature disciples, because that's what we're trying to become. We're trying to become mature disciples. Right. So in terms of this idea of generosity, like what are some things that we need to be doing to have this kind of mindset that you're talking about? Yeah. So I think when you go back to the scriptures and you say, do I care about the same things that God cares about? So God gives resources for us to enjoy, but through the lens of contentment. Mm. And our world is constantly telling us that we should be discontented. Therefore, we should go get more to help ease that discontentment. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, real, there's a real battle there for contentment. And in the fall, we had an Ecclesiastes study. And what I loved about Ecclesiastes is it kept telling us about these things that God had given us to enjoy, but enjoy them in the proportion that they have been given to you and find contentment in those. And contentment is a huge part of being spiritually mature. And so part of the, the battle is to not covet and to find contentment, to not be prideful, but to have real gratitude around what God has given me, to not be anxious, um, but to trust in Him, to continue to provide, and then see the world through the lens that He sees them, which is He wants us to use our resources to um, evangelize, disciple, and care for the poor. Those are really three big areas when He talks about how do you use your resources for evangelism, discipleship, building up the kingdom, caring for the poor. And so do we have that view? Because it's very different than what I just said meaning viewing the Bible mainly through the lens of personal finance. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like to view the, the, the Bible's teaching on money through the lens of God's purposes for money? And so I think kingdom building is one, but I think the second and the third we need to talk more about, which is God wants to use resources to guard us against sin, mm -hmm. to guard us against the desires of the flesh, which is greed, pride, envy, coveting, jealousy, discontentment, like those things are real, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot and they will destroy you of your spiritual power and spiritual maturity. If you let them run amok in your life. And so God has given us resources and it's interesting that the way out of this, this battle against sin is to take those resources that he has given us and to be open handed with them. Mm -hmm. Because when we're open handed with them, we're releasing the power that they want to control our life, mm. we're giving that power away. And we're saying, I'm not going to let it control me. Yeah. I'm going to release it. So guarding against sin is, is a second big part of being a spiritually mature disciple. And then the third is mimicking God, literally, mm. like being conformed to God's image mm -hmm. because God is a giver. Think about this, Chris. First mm. verse you and I ever memorized, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. Jesus gives up his divine privileges, Philippians 2, mm -hmm. leaves heaven, comes down to earth so that he can identify us. He becomes poor so that we can become rich. Mm. 
the Holy Spirit. Wherever we see the Holy Spirit, what, what's he doing? He's giving. Mm. He's giving gifts. He's giving discernment. He's giving wisdom. He's giving the ability to, to read and obey Scripture. I mean, so in all aspects of the Trinity, God is giving. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to become more like Christ, be conformed more into the holiness of God if I'm not generous? Yeah. I just don't think it's possible. Yeah. It's not. And so I don't know, and, and, and I'm getting more and more convinced of this as I study scripture and teach it and have these kinds of conversations, is I, I do not know spiritually mature people who aren't generous. Mm. And so here's the trick to that. Like, I'm not defining what that is. Mm-hmm. We have to put generosity back into a relationship where you are talking to God about the things that he has given you and what he wants you to do with those things to glorify him and for you to grow. Yeah. And it can't be reduced down to a dollar amount and a percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yes, we can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our talent. All that, all that's a given right now. We're talking about something that we don't really like to talk about. Mm. And so when I think about spiritual maturity, I think about those three things that it forces us to be kingdom minded, that everything that God gives us is not for us. Is to be used to help kingdom purposes. Mm-hmm. Two, God gives us resources to guard us against sin by being open-handed and being generous. There's a practice there of spiritual formation. And then the third, we are, we are literally growing and changing as we model the gracious, generous character of our God. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it is by grace that we have been saved. That is a gift. That is generosity. Our whole, really, faith, the whole gospel is built around this concept. And I think, I'm going to keep beating that horse, but when we go back and only see the Bible's teaching on money through the lens of provision, personal lifestyle, we, we miss we miss out on yeah. a great and grand story. Hmm. Is there a particular passage that would be helpful for us to think about generosity? Well, I'll tell you one particular passage that I, I like a lot, and it seems to resonate because it's a parable. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, I think about a lot, and it's the, it's the parable of the seed and the soils, and particularly Mark chapter 4. I like the way that Mark 4 reads. And so you have four, soil, four seeds that fall on four different soils, and particularly I'm thinking about the third seed and the fourth seed. And let me, let me read to you what it says about the third seed. It says, The third seed fell among the thorns, And that represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, that message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. Mm. The soil is good. The soil also comes with weeds and thorns. Mm -hmm. That soil can be cultivated, can be tilled. Those thorns and weeds, they can be, we can be protected against those. But we have to guard against those. And if we don't, they are just going to take over. Anybody mm-hmm. who's planted anything can see this in their mind. Mm-hmm. And so imagine us having this good soil and this powerful seed, and yet all of, what does it say? It says, the worries of this life, mm-hmm. the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what our world teaches us. Mm-hmm. Other things, worries, lure of wealth. And it's like literal thorns that are choking out the, the life, the maturity, 
the goodness that's supposed to come from this, this gospel seed in our life. And so you go, well, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it gets worse because the seed that fell on the fourth soil represents those who hear, accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much has been planted. So what's the potential? 30, 60, a hundred fold. What are we not experiencing that? 30, 60, and a hundred fold because our seed has been choked out, been choked out. And it's why so many of the teachings around money fall right up against teachings on anxiety because anxiety comes, a lot of anxiety ties to concerns about not having enough and what's going to happen in the future Mm. and is God going to provide for me and and look what others have and God ties those two concepts together a lot because this is common this is common and that's why he's warning us in this in this passage and so boy I do not want us to be third soil choked out believers I want our church I want us to be fourth soil Christians Fourth soil Christians, seeing mm. that 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. And so that's really when I, when I have this image of, of why this is such a strong discipleship issue for our church, it's because I feel like the, the tension between that third and fourth soil is very real. I see it every day. I see it in my own life. And we just have to fight and we have to contend. And we start by naming it so that we can battle against it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is that, and as we boil this down, is that when I release my money to God, I'm telling God that I'm not greedy. Yes, because it's not money. It's not the problem. It's the love of money that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And so the love of money grows in the soil of discontentment. That's part of that third soil. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the challenge is real between the third and the fourth soil because Jesus was very strong in Matthew 6 when he said, you can't serve both. You can serve one or the other. You got to pick. Yeah. You can serve God or you can serve mammon, money. And that's a really strong warning that I think we need to take more seriously. Yeah. I really do. I think we need to take more seriously. And it's just a conversation that we, we got to have with God and we got to have with each other and recognizing that something really might be at stake. Yeah. Giving it guards my heart against discontentment, which is what you were just saying. That's so right. When I give, I'm growing and I'm conforming to God's character because he is a giver. So the opposite of that is the greed. That's why I said greed, because if I am always trying to consume something for myself, that's very dangerous because then it becomes about Chris Rivers being the creator, going back to what you were saying, like we need to conform to the image of God. So a way for me to fight that creator creature sin desire that I sometimes have is that I need to give, I need to give of my money, not just of my resources. So I think that's another thing we talked about too, which I don't know if you want to touch on because many people could say, Oh, well you need to just give of yourself in serving, or you just need to, you know, talk about leadership, but this isn't about those things. This is about money. This is about what the Bible talks about. That's right. I mean, does it talk about those other things? Sure. In proportion, very little compared to finances. And we can't, we can't hide behind those things and we can't substitute those things because God gave us resources that could either rule our heart yeah. or could be used to serve the master. And in some ways it's very much a, a test that God, that God gives us. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I've been doing this work for almost 20 years. And never once have I had someone come and say, you know what my core struggle is? Uh, you know what I'm in recovery over? Yeah. You know, we talked about recovery in last month's episode. No one's ever said I'm in recovery over greed. Yeah. I'm just really greedy. I want and I want and I want. Mm. No one's ever said that. Mm. Do we struggle with it? Of course we do. All of us do. Luke 12 is a great example of someone who took God's blessing, didn't acknowledge God, and just stored it away. Mm. And, and God says, you fool, because you're going to have to give an account. Yeah. You're going to have to give an account on where it all came from and what you did with it because you can't take it with you. I mean, yeah. that's the one universal truth. Yeah. We, we, can't, we can't take it with us. And so, yes, greed, coveting, pride, all those are real dangers. And again, it doesn't. you can have a little or you can have a lot. And it's just so ironic to me that the way out from those struggles is by using the very resources that God has given us that could create those struggles yeah. by being open-handed and giving them away. Yeah. And the only way to cultivate that relationship on what that looks like is to be devoted to God, to depend on Him, and to be in community with other people, and just to be praying about it, to be thinking about it, to be talking about it. And so when we privatize it, going back to our very beginning, when we privatize it, we are not allowing God to use this rich resource in our life. Yeah. So let's talk about how we unprivatize it, because on this podcast, these episodes, we want to not just listen, but we want to go have a conversation with someone else about these ideas so that we can move and we can change. So is there a particular tool that you would find helpful for us to have that conversation? Yeah, I'll give you three things. Yep. I think the first is I would just encourage people to just go read some scripture. Mm -hmm. Don't just pull verses out, cut and paste, Proverbs. Go read scripture about what God says about money. I think that'd be the first thing. I think the second thing would be to challenge your assumptions. Where do I get my beliefs about money and why? Mm. Where do I get my beliefs about lifestyle, about savings, about retirement, about giving? Like, how did those thoughts get cemented in my brain? Where did they come from? Mm. Did they come from the culture? Did they come from my family? Did they come from God's word? Mm. I think you would have to do those two things in order for anything in that third category to make sense. Mm. So when you look at a tool, well, I mean, what we've really tried to provide, and uh, we have uh, this on our website. It was in, it's in all the We Choose books that were distributed at the campuses uh, this fall. But really, it's just a giving guide where we just give five words that we think are fairly representative of our church. When we talk about consuming as a primary attitude, casual, reluctant, intentional, or courageous. And we chose the word courageous specifically because it is such a lofty goal. Like, I w I'm not a courageous giver. I want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm still on the road. I'm still on the journey. I would say I'm a very intentional giver. So, like, for me, what keeps me from moving from intentional to courageous? You know, what am, what am I afraid of? As passionate as I am about this, as, as many stories as I've seen, what does that even look like for me and what keeps me from moving? Mm -hmm. For someone who's a consumer, how can we get off of that consumption and, and believe kingdom over consumption? The person who's casual, the person who's reluctant. There's several uh, synonyms that can, if those words don't connect with you, maybe one of those synonyms will. But really what we want you to do is just be honest. Yeah. And then we want you to tell somebody and just say, hey, I need your help. I need your accountability. 
I, I, I want us to study, see what God says. I want to challenge these presuppositions of why I believe what I believe. And then I, I want to move. I want to move. Because here's the thing, like, as I, I hope you have heard, like, I don't want anything from you. God does not want anything from you. God wants something for you. He wants you to experience this joy that comes from being generous. This power over sin in your life and this spiritual transformation of becoming more like him, in addition to being able to see all the kingdom building that happens. But it's such a much more of a bigger picture than I am losing something when I give it away. I don't know people that have generosity regret. I really don't. I don't have people that say, you know what? That $100, that $500, that $1,000, man, I sure wish I had that back. Mm. I mean, I know God gave it to me, and then I gave it back as a means of worship, and good things happened with it, but boy, I sure do wish I could have done this and that with it. People don't say that. Mm. Why? Because they were designed by God to be givers. Mm -hmm. And when we are doing that, we are more God-like. We really are. It's just, it's funny how that works. It's funny how it works. And so I would say the giving guide can be a tool. We have a number of, of books from different angles that talk about different aspects of, of money and generosity. Money Matters is a class that is really designed to be like a financial 101. Hey, what, what is a sampling of what the Bible says? How do I get started having a budget and a limited lifestyle? How do I flip the priority and give first and then save and then determine my lifestyle as opposed to the opposite. So there's a lot of practical tools out there, but, but at the end of the day, Chris, we have to be motivated mm -hmm. by the good news, by the gospel in order to want to become more like Jesus, follow his word, which I think is going to take us down a more generous path. Yeah, that's good. Well, as we land the plane here, is there anything else you'd want to add? Yeah, I would say I am incredibly encouraged by the generosity of our church. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an exhortation that comes not from scarcity, but comes from a desire that we take more of what God offers us in terms of spiritual growth. I have been so encouraged by the number of people who are generous, who are growing in generosity, who are challenging their presuppositions, who are moving up that giving guide. I hear lots of stories, and it is just amazing how God is moving by, I believe, the power of His Spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and my goal is I would like for this current generation to be the most generous generation that our church has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And not because we need the money, because we have things that we want to go do. Like, Money is not the problem. Love of money is the enemy. Mm. And seeing the redemptive blessing of money and how it can be unleashed for good in our life and God's glory is really the goal. Mm -hmm. And so I, I see us growing and maturing, but I do have real concern because the, the power of the world and the values of the world, it is unrelenting. Mm -hmm. We are not going to get a break and the world is going to consistently push us to um, take more for ourselves because we've earned it, because we deserve it, because that's what's going to make us happy. Mm. And so um, if we don't have the tools for the battle, we are going to be spiritually powerless. Mm. And uh, I'm really, really, really jealous 
that we continue to push forward in this regard. And I think God has given us the tools and I think the time is now. That's good. Well, this is, you've given us a lot to think about. So as we connect with others and dialogue around this, we'll have some things in the show notes for people, but this has been great, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Yep. Well, as we wrap up today's conversation, we want to thank you for joining us. We realize that listening to a podcast episode can be an individual experience, which we believe is only enhanced by talking through it and applying it to life. And this is something that we believe lots of people don't naturally seek out or have built into their lives. So we want to encourage you to share this episode with someone else and ask them to share with you any takeaways they receive from listening. Be prepared to do the same and approach their feedback with a posture to learn and apply. This is a great way to move towards this discipleship issue. If you have questions or want access to any additional resources to help you dive deeper into this subject, be sure to check out our podcast page located in the show notes. If we can help you answer any questions about this episode or want us to discuss something in a future episode, text us. And you can do that by texting 706-489-9811 and we'll get back to you. Hey, thanks for joining us today and we look forward to joining you on the next episode.